Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. In 2016, I was privileged to see a parchment from the year 1638 in the Museum of Edinburgh, Scotland. It bore the signatures of about 4,150 men. They signed what became known as the National Covenant. Today, we will define the word covenant and look at the various covenants that God made with his people. This will lay the foundation for future topics in this series. So, let us begin. panel today, we have Stephen Groom and Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome, Stephen and Rosemary. Thank you. Good to have you with us today as we discuss this rather detailed topic and uh, take an overview of things. But before we begin, let us uh, say a word of prayer. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our guide, and we pray that the Holy Spirit may speak to our minds and to those who are listening on radio or watching on TV during, for this program. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today we're going to take a, an overview of uh, covenants in the Bible. Um, we're going to go into more detail in the weeks to come. Uh, but first of all, Stephen, uh, what does the word covenant mean in the, in the context of the Bible? Okay, to answer that question, let us go back to the original languages. Mm-hmm. In the Hebrew word bereth is translated mostly into the English word covenant. It's used very often. 287 times in the Old Testament and the uh, very reputable lexicon Hallots gives the English range of meaning for Bereth as agreement, alliance, covenant or pact. Mm-hmm. The Macquarie Concise Dictionary further expands the English interpretation to be an agreement between two or more persons to do or refrain from doing an act, a compact, a, trans, uh, a contract. The New Testament Greek equivalent is diatheke and has a, a meaning more closely aligned with a will or a, a legal contract and involves God's free initiation to save mankind, which he lost at the fall as described in, in Genesis 3, which has been covered in previous lessons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it has a variety of meanings, doesn't it, there, as you would outline. Rosemary, uh, does the Bible only have covenants that that start with God? No, there's a different covenants between different people. Um, but J. Arthur Thompson in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia defines the word bereth that you were speaking of in this way. He said it's a covenant. It can also be translated as testament or last will. Yes. It has come to mean that which bound two parties together It has a common use where both parties were men and a distinctively religious use where the covenant was between God and man. And today's study, we're talking more about what the covenants are between God and man, Mm. not between man and man. And and so the Old and New Testament really can be interpreted as the Old Old and New covenants. covenants. Yes, Mm. yeah. Um, Well, certainly there are examples of covenants between between man and man. 
uh, equals um, and between a, a lord and a vassal or a superior and an inferior. Would that be correct to say, uh, Stephen? Uh, yes. The greater to the lesser? Yes, that's true. Mm. Uh, especially, I mean, there's, there's contracts or covenants between equals and, and that would be any sort of transaction we make. You give a certain amount of money and you receive some goods, you write a contract. So, and, and amongst equals, we are able to negotiate the terms, how much money or what amount of goods you give to a person. But um, the, the, the covenant between God and man, there's no negotiation for us. God sets the covenant standard and we either accept it or reject it. Um, this fits into the, I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 36, verses 16 and 17 for an example. And here is where King Sennacherib was appealing to the people of Judah to follow his covenant or rather than their king Hezekiah, and then he says, verse 16, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me, or a covenant with me, buy a present and come out to me, and eat every one of his vine and every one of his fig tree, and drink every one the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take away you to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. So here we have the king of Assyria trying to draw the people away from their allegiance to their king through these very hmm, great true. promises. Wonderful land of, sounding promises, yes. which and, he yeah. wasn't really going to do. And, and this is a type really. Hezekiah is a type of God governing his people who is us. And Satan, in a way, is trying to draw us away with, with pleasures of sin. But the in, at the end, it only leads to death. Mm. Yeah, good point. Um, let's go back to the first book of the Bible, to uh, Genesis um, chapter 3. And uh, I want to have a look at verse 15. This is a, a fairly familiar verse, Genesis 3, verse 15. Uh, where God is speaking and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Uh, and he's speaking here, you being Satan, between you and the woman Eve and between your seed, that's your descendants and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise, bruise his heel. Um, sometimes this is called the, the proto gospel or the first gospel um, first intimation of a gospel message that there's going to be a redeemer come this this as seed of the woman um, so uh, rosemary uh, any comment on on the implications of this verse here well it's a promise that god made to adam and to all mankind when adam first sinned and it was a like a, a forerunner of the future covenants but it was a covenant promise and it didn't have conditions. God said, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it for you because you can't do it for yourself. So God was sort of making a, a pre-covenant, but it was one he was initiating on our behalf because we couldn't help ourselves. Mm. And it was straight after the fall, wasn't mm. it? Yes, yeah. that's right. I'd like to put a question to, to both of you, um, Rosemary and Stephen. Um, what were the basic elements uh, of a biblical covenant or agreement? Well, I want to take you to Hebrews 
um, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 and 17. Mm-hmm. And that's going to give us one of the um, elements of a covenant. And what it says here. Um, okay, so you've got the word promise being used as well as the word covenant, haven't you, in this passage? Yes. Uh, verse 13 of Hebrews 6 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, because God is the ultimate. Mm. And in verse 17, just taking part of it, it says, Thus God confirmed it by an oath. So covenants are always confirmed by an oath. And God swore by himself. Mm-hmm. And, and secondly, there was a condition attra- attached if uh, I'd like to go to back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second giving of the law. Chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them upon the two tables of stone. So we see here the Ten Commandments written on, on the tables of stone by God's own finger is the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Which, we, which is part of the covenant that we are to keep. Interestingly enough, in the sanctuary service, the Ten Commandments or the tables of stone were put inside the ark of his covenant mm-hmm. or, or of his testimony. Mm. Underneath the mercy seat. Underneath the mercy yeah. seat. So we had the gospel there right in the sanctuary. Mm. And a third element of um, the covenant or God's covenants um, is... In Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 6, it tells us that God was going to call a righteous or his righteous servant. And that righteous servant was basically going to be his covenant. He would give his covenant through that person to the people, even to the Gentiles, not just to the Israelites. And Jesus fulfilled that when he came. He was he is God's righteous servant. And he became the covenant mm. for us. The plan of salvation was fulfilled mm. through him. Okay. So we, we have these elements of uh, promises, divine promises, our obedience in response to that, um, Christ our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And, and these are all very personal matters for us today. Uh, mm. Thinking in terms of a, of a timeline, um, what's the first covenant in the Bible, Rosemary? Yeah. Well, God sort of made a, a covenant covenant with Adam and the whole world through his first um, promise there in Genesis 3.15 that we looked at before. But the first time the word covenant is used is with Noah. So if we go to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18, and this is the time of the universal flood, God made a covenant and the Bible actually uses the word covenant in describing what God said to him here. So in verse 8, and my Bible doesn't want to change its page. In verse 8, God said, um, verse 18, sorry, but I will establish my covenant with you, talking Mm -hmm. to Noah, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So here, once again, God initiates the covenant. He told Noah to make an ark, and Noah did it, but God warned him 
about a worldwide flood, this is why God was making the covenant with him. Okay, so were there, Stephen, were there conditions to this covenant that God made with Noah? Oh, most definitely. And, and I'd like to read the next verse, verse 19. It says, Of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. So God miraculously mm -hmm. made all the animals enter the ark. But with humans, he gave them a choice. Mm -hmm. And so there was only found Noah and his three children, his wife and, and their wives, total of eight people who went in the ark. So all the then world was invited into the ark, but only they eight. went in, mm -hmm. eight people. And now how did Noah respond there, Rosemary? Well, God put down the conditions. But chapter 6, verse 22 says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. He obeyed God. He had never seen rain before. It had never rained on the earth. But he believed what God said and he obeyed. And, and that takes faith, doesn't it? Oh, to believe definitely. something that had never happened before. Mm. Mm. We take it for granted, you know, when it rains, but he had never seen rain before. Exactly. Mm. And again, you know, we've got this idea of the greater making a covenant or agreement with the lesser. You know, God the superior making a covenant with Noah the inferior, as it were. Mm. Mm. Um, so, so God set down the, the steps uh, to take that Noah should take, and, and Noah was obedient. It just you know, simply says he did. Yes. And, and I like what it says there about Noah. Um, so an obvious question, Stephen, did God fulfill his part of the agreement? Yes. The next chapter, chapter Genesis chapter 7, answers that. Noah, his wife... Uh, his three sons and their wives all went into the ark. They alone were saved from the flood. Um, for example, verses 17 and 23. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased and bare up the ark and it was lifted up above the earth. Let's go down to verse 23. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping thing and the fowl of the heavens, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they were with him in the ark. So we see how faith leads to obedience. If you believe God is going to destroy the world, you will take hold of his covenant, and it brings you to action, entering the ark of God. Those mm. outside did not believe, they were faithless, and it led to disobedience to the word of God. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a sad story, really, isn't it, the way that just this small group, you know, this remnant, as it were, mm. were yes. saved at, at that time. Mm. Um, the next covenant uh, was one that God made with Abram, who was later known as Abraham, and we'll probably use the terms Abram and Abraham interchangeably. Yes. Um, so, Rosemary, how did this, the covenant with Abram come about? Okay, let's just read um, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So once again, God initiates this covenant mm -hmm. and he gives promises to Abraham. But see, he already had a relationship with Abraham and knew that Abraham 
was an honest man who would follow what he was, what God told him, because they had a personal relationship. See, God is here talking to him and giving him this um, promise and the blessings and also the curses to the people who were opposed to Abraham. Mm. God would take care of him and look after him. It's interesting in the text in verse 1, it says, I will take you unto a land that I will show you. And it's interesting that in Abraham's life, he never really settled down anywhere. And in fact, if you go, <laughs> to, Hebrews, him, <laughs> if you go to Hebrews 11, it says that he was looking for a city. He realized he was a that he was a sojourner mm. and his abiding place is the land was in actually in heaven, yeah. the mm. next life. And it's amazing when you, you read about the, the polytheistic culture of Ur, that, mm. that God would find a man like Abram in that environment. Yes. You know, a that he was this person. monotheist worshiping the one true God, but God sees him and he calls him and gives him promises. It's a bit like, like we were just saying before with Noah, eight people entered the ark. Mm. God found eight faithful people still alive. And here is Abraham or Abram over in Ur and Haran, and God knows him. God has a relationship with him. Mm. This individual person. So, so our background doesn't really mean anything. God has people in every cultures, every religion, mm. those who are faithful to so him. So he promised to, to all the nations would be blessed through Abram. And Stephen, how would that come about? How would all the nations be blessed through Abram? Let us turn to Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. It says, Even as... Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that those who are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then they who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So when we believe God, like Abraham believed God, we actually enter into the spiritual seed of Abraham, so you speak, mm. and we receive all the benefits that were promised Abraham. Mm. I think it's a wonderful uh, thing that it doesn't matter what your last name is, where you live, if you have faith in God like Abraham can, you receive the same reward, eternal life. Mm. Um, I'd like us to have a look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1 the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And notice what it says here, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, so th there's another sense in which all the nations are blessed through Abraham and uh, that's expressed here. It comes down mm. through Christ. How did, uh, Rosemary, how did Paul express this idea? Okay, let's look at chapter 29 in Galatians 3. Um, sorry. Um, Verse 29. Is it? Yes. Um, anyway, the, the verse said, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if you belong to Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus through whom you know the Messiah was born through Abraham, then you become adopted into the family of God as a child of Abraham. Mm. So even though in the genealogies it said that David was a son of Abraham, he was a descendant of Abraham. And all of us can become descendants of Abraham through faith. Mm. 
out of spiritual Israel. That's mm. right. Abraham believed God. And if we believe God, we will also be saved with, with mm. Abraham. Um, Stephen, uh, Abraham thought the, the promises of God in this covenant were impossible, didn't he? Yes, much the same as some of us maybe feel like it's impossible to, to become a Christian. Uh, this was the plight of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. It says, Abraham said, Lord God, wilt thou give me, me children? He was promised that his seed would be as the, as the stars in heaven. Continuing on, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold to me, you have given no seed or no children. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be an heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, tell the stars if you shall be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. Um, so he had a handmaiden called Hagar, and he had a child trying to, through Hagar, to work it Ishmael. out his own way. <laughs> so he was trying to fulfill the promises of God through his own efforts. Mm. However, God said, no, a child will come forth from Sarah and he shall be the heir. Now, when he was told to go forth, if we go down to verse 12 and it says the sun was going down and also in verse 17, that's there for a reason. So often they think that God must have taken him out at night to see the stars. But okay, it, tells us, the here, stars. it mm -hmm. tells us here that really he took him out during the day to see the stars. And you would say, why would he take him out during the day to see the stars? It's because remember, if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the definition of faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not Seen. Okay, so he knew so, the stars were there, but he couldn't see Just them. like you and I during the day, we know the stars are there, but we can't see them sometimes. Mm. So we know the promises of God. Often we can't see them. But like Abraham, we have to have faith that it will be fulfilled, that the promises are there and God will fulfill it. Okay, so and, they're, in, they're in, in that chapter 15 of Genesis. Yes. The, the key verse really is verse 6, isn't it? And he believed in the Lord mm. and he accounted it to him for righteousness. But you know what it's like when you are outside and the darkness starts to fall? You see the evening star come out, yep. Venus. And then slowly you can see more and more stars. And that's what it was going to be like for Abraham's descendants. From one little bright light, there were going to be more and more and more come out until the sky would be filled the world would be filled with his descendants. Mm. What a um, beautiful story yeah, that is. I'd like us to go to the next book of the Old Testament, that's uh, Exodus, to go to the, to the next covenant that we come to in, uh, chronologically in the Bible. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, I'd like us to, to share together. Exodus 6 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. Uh, so here's the next covenant in terms of chronology. Um, Moses at the time of the Exodus. Um, how was this, uh, Rosemary, how, Stephen rather, how was this a, 
a continuation or a, an extension of earlier promises. So God confirms his covenant, um, earlier covenants. I'd like to read that verses, chapter six, verses two to four. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord or Yahweh. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, was I not known to them? So he's confirming his earlier covenants with the, his people. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. So we see here, then he promises release from slavery. And in verse six, he says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage and I'll redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgment. So God is promising further uh, covenant that he will release them from slavery. Mm. Okay, uh, let's go over to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2, where God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So this is giving, when he's giving the Ten, ten Commandments. Mm. God reminded Moses of his faithful promise keeping. And how was this relationship special, Rosemary? Well, let's have a look at um, chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. God says, Now therefore, I, if you will obey my... and Sorry, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. God has redeemed them from bondage in Egypt. So he is going to give them a whole new life with himself. And he, this is a continuation of his fulfillment because he's now going to bring them into the promised land that mm. he promised to Abraham in the covenant with him and make a great nation of them. So this is the fulfillment of his um, covenant to Abraham mm. through so, his descendants. So Stephen, is there a sequence here that's like the gospel era? Oh, yes, very much so. And just an example, go, if we go to First Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says, for I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. So Jesus mm. died for all of us. And that's the first part. But then in our response is given in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Therefore, I live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the mm. life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who mm. died for me. And the final sequence of covenants, of course, is the new covenant. You know, in Jeremiah, we have the promises that I'll write their, my law in their hearts. And we'll be exploring that aspect of the, the new covenant or the everlasting covenant a little further on when we, we go into our series of lessons here about this. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rosemary and Stephen, for your contributions to our discussion today. And, and uh, listener and viewer, I hope that you've been blessed. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they broke the fellowship with heaven. Sin brought not only a separation from God, but also the consequence of death. How thankful we can be that God initiated restoration of a loving relationship with him by means of a covenant. He did this because he loves you and me. His promises still hold true. Decide today that you will accept his grace and love and come into an obedient fellowship with him. Well, 
We're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We hope you'll join us again next time. But until then, may God richly bless you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.